On this episode of Common Mystics, we revisit one of our past adventures to give voice to another spirit who we believe deserves to be heard. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places, and today we are talking about the legendary Shawnee warrior and leader, Tecumseh. I'm fired up. I know you are. I am fired up. I love Tecumseh. Yeah, I know you do. You... <laughs> he's kind of been hanging around you for a little bit, huh? Yep, he's been a little bit. He's been firing me up, inspiring me. <laughs> All right, so let's start by um, talking about how we work. So what we do is we get into our car. My car, I'm usually driving because mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable and. I am. Don't you think know, I'm more just, comfortable? Okay. You are. This is the face. It was the face. Okay. So I usually drive. Jennifer sitting shotgun and she's taking notes and we just let our intuition guide us to a story that was previously unknown to us that gives voice to the voiceless and that is verifiable. But sometimes, Jen, sometimes when we do the research, which in itself is intuitive, we Mm. find different voices that correlate with our hits when we're in the field. And that spirit won't leave us alone. They're following us. They're riling us up and inspiring us to give back the land. So when we were on the road in South Dakota, that's right. We um, actually were watching a show, and Tecumseh was on the show. Right. So he was like on our mind just a little bit. I mean, we were in South Dakota, but we we kind of had a conversation about Tecumseh. Exactly. We had a conversation about Tecumseh. I was like, I think there's a Tecumseh, Michigan. We had this whole conversation. I researched him when we were in South Dakota because mm-hmm. I was intrigued. And on my phone, I have some research notes and a picture of Tecumseh. Okay. So fast forward months later, now we're months. driving east. We're driving east. We're going to our sister's house mm-hmm. to the creepy little town of McGraw, which AF, creepy AF. So as we're driving through Ohio, you start talking about feeling apocalypto vibes. For sure. Apocalypto. So can you just describe for people who might not know what that reference means? What is apocalypto? So the way I was feeling it was a movie that Mel Gibson directed in like the early 2000s. 2006. Thank you, 2006. And it's about a nation of native warriors that were being encroached upon by others and they were kidnapped. The, The lead in the movie was kidnapped and brought to this huge cultural center city, Mm -hmm. right? It was like a culture center, a city of these natives, almost like the way I think about it would be like Chichen Itza. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's, that was the vibe I was getting like politics, culture, like spirituality, all in like a city center of natives. Right. And so I said, well, you know, we need to talk about Tecumseh. Because I didn't know a lot about Tecumseh, but I know we were driving through his quote-unquote homeland, right? That's right. That's exactly right. Do you remember where we were? I do not. Do you? Is it in the Yes. Notes? Where were I we? I know. We were in Mommy. Yes. Mommy. Ah, we were okay. in Mommy. That's pretty exciting because that will come up again. Yeah. Right. So when we decided to do our More Voices from the Road series, I called you and I said, you need to, do to, t- you need to talk about Tecumseh. And to tell you the truth, I like I love Tecumseh and he's amazing, but he wasn't on my mind. So it was kind of like left field when you brought it up. I was like, I guess I'm researching Tecumseh. <laughs> like I totally forgot about it, to be honest. And it wasn't until through the research that I was like, oh, my God, Tecumseh. Well, it was absolutely meant to be. Do you want me to talk a little bit about Tecumseh now? I, I would love it. OK, so. Tecumseh was born in 1768 in what is now Greene County, Ohio. And I'm going to stop right there for a second because about an hour ago when I was looking over these notes and I read that in my head, I was corrected by spirit. I kid you not. Because to say that Tecumseh was born in what is now Greene County, Ohio, it's 
it's like, no, I was born in my homeland. Damn. And you can you can use whatever political boundaries that are meaningless and arbitrary to call it what you want so that your modern day listeners will have like a reference. But let's just be clear. That was my homeland. I was born on my homeland. You know what I'm saying? And so I was I like, know, oh, I'm telling shit. you. Oh, shit. By the end of this okay. episode, Jennifer, we're all going to be burning <laughs> things down. I'm telling you. I'm so I telling just have to, you. I just have to say that, like, just to honor the spirit of Tecumseh throughout this conversation, I will be referring to modern day political boundaries and names. <laughs> no just disrespect. Just for the sake of, just no disrespect, just so that people know where we're talking about, right? But yeah, I get it. You were born... Uh, he was born on his homeland, right, which is modern-day Ohio, anyway, to um, a Shawnee minor chief, and his mother was known to have, quote, exceptional mental power, which I find interesting. I love that quote. What do you think that means, that his mother had exceptional mental power? I think she was intelligent and intuitive. Mm. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. I definitely think there is a little bit of psychic power that she had, for sure. And I think what what I believe, and I know nothing really about Native cultures, but I think that their spirituality was so up and center that being smart and being intuitive were one and the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that's just my beliefs. I don't, I don't really know, but I like to think that way. He, Tecumseh, was the fifth of eight children. And you will see, as we talk about his life, um, that his entire childhood experiences revolved around conflicts with the white settlers. Mm. And he would end up having to move with his family and the Shawnee people many times because of the encroachment of white expansion. Mm -hmm. Now, in October of 1774... Tecumseh's father and his older brother, whose name looks a lot like Chisikau, participated in a battle in what is now West Virginia. It was called the Battle of Point Pleasant, where forces under the Shawnee Chief Cornstalk attacked Virginia militiamen in the hopes of halting their advances into the Ohio Valley. Well, sadly, Tecumseh's father died in this battle. He was mortally wounded. But before he passed away, he made Chisikau pledge to take responsibility for his younger brothers and sisters, specifically Tecumseh, who was only six years old at the time of his father's death. And so following that... Chisikau kept his word, and he spent years training Tecumseh to hunt and to fight and to live as a Shawnee warrior. He was a good older brother. And he fought tirelessly. Uh, Chisikau fought tirelessly against American expansion. And unfortunately, really such a loss because in October of 1792, he was killed himself in a battle Bloodsoe Station in mm. Nashville, Tennessee, oh. or near Nashville. Yeah, that's sad to know that he didn't he didn't live long. You know what? But he he kept his word, and he would rather have died fighting than not. To be honest, that's my that's my feeling. But go on. Not that I know him, but that's my intuitive perspective on it. So when Tecumseh was twelve years old. He was, again, profoundly affected by an event, which came to be called the Battle of Piqua. Now, it was about the year 1780, and Kentucky militia forces surrounded a very important settlement to the Shawnee people. It was a settlement of two important villages that together was known as Piqua, and it was kind of the capital of the Shawnees, and it was also Tecumseh's home. Mm. Now, Tecumseh, remember, he was 12. He was still a child. But he retreated with the women and the children during this this attack. And he watched from an overlook the total destruction of his home by the militia. For two days, they burned the fields and completely destroyed the settlement. So that, that'll, that'll leave a scar. Uh, absolutely. Very informative. Very. 
And he doesn't have a home. And now he doesn't have a home. That's insane. Okay, so a few years later, now it's 1783, Tecumseh's 15 years old. Um, he participates in his first warlike movement. That seems kind of young to me. Uh, there you don't think so? Boys were more mature back then. <laughs> Especially native boys, you think? Well, I'm assuming so. Well, this native boys, we're native boys fast. <laughs> this native boy, that's gonna get cut. That is, that is gonna get cut. This native you know boy what? had been through a lot in his young yes. 15 years. Absolutely, he's already experienced a lot. Okay, so he's 15 years old, and the attack was the the Shawnees attacked some flatboats on the Ohio River, and all the boatmen were killed except one, and he was taken as prisoner and burned to death. Jeez. Now, what struck Tecumseh about this event was he himself thought it was a terrible, terrible scene of human destruction. He was not impressed by that behavior. And so he was actually inspired and was resolved never to treat prisoners in that way, to never burn prisoners. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And usually in history... The victors pretty much did what they wanted and then whitewashed whatever narrative afterwards, right? But right. Tecumseh was like, we're the victors in this situation. We don't have to, we don't have to act a fool. We don't have right. to do that. Right. You see so many times this sort of situation going in the other direction where someone mm -hmm. is so vengeful and that the victors take it to that next level of cruelty. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, to, to inspire intimidation and fear in their enemies. But Tecumseh actually, as a 15-year-old, was wiser and really just had a, a kind of a moral and ethical streak that I think we see throughout his life. Mm, that's so true. Very fair. So a few years later, Tecumseh is 18 years old. The year is 1786, and he has another run-in with the Kentucky militia. And it turned out to be another formative experience for him. So General Benjamin Logan was leading the militia and raiding the Shawnee towns along the Little Miami and Mad Rivers in Ohio, Ohio country to be more exact. The native warriors left the area to defend villages. And so basically they left behind uh, the, the elder women and the children, so non-fighters. It was, it was said that during this raid, Logan's raid, Tecumseh was overwhelmed by the surprise attack and he fled. And then afterwards, he was disgusted with himself and he vowed never again to show cowardice in the face of an enemy. You know what the thing is? During this raid, when the warriors left the women and children, there was a significant battle going on near the upper Wabash in the Illinois area, I believe it was the Illinois area, and the warriors, the native warriors, like wiped out an English or American settlement, and it was like this huge victory, and it was vicious, and some historians try to place Tecumseh there, but he wasn't there. He was with the women and children, oh. and it was, mm-hmm, and it, really? he, and yeah, 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 like there are uh, conflicting accounts whether or not he was at the attack at, at the Wabash, and he wasn't from Interesting. the- yeah, he wasn't. I'm just going to say that. I checked his day calendar. He was not there. Okay. So as a young warrior, Tecumseh joined the Shawnee chief Blue Jacket in his fight against American expansion. He led his men into many confrontations with the white people. And in the face of battle, he showed remarkable calmness and level-headed judgment. I have a question. Yeah. Or more than a comment. The um, adjectives level-headed judgment, command of his warriors, that was said again and again, not only by the natives, but also by the whites and the Americans. They're like, this guy's like legit and isn't like crazy or sporadic the way we came to expect fighting different warriors. He seems mm -hmm. like on the level and adopting some of the, the way we perform in the field. Exactly. He was admired and respected even by whites who were his enemies at the time. And I think that's saying a lot. That is saying so much. Okay. August 1794. Tecumseh's 26 years old. 
and he leads his men into the Battle of Maumee. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned we were there. We didn't know it at the time that this was a major battle site, but we were there. Can I just say something about these road trips? Is that we're in a place and it's we have no idea the significance until after we leave. And then I want to go back. You know, like then I'm like, oh, my God, if I would have only known no what was going on when I was there. That is that is exactly how I feel, too. All right. August 1794, Tecumseh leads his men into the Battle of Maumee. His The native forces were defeated, but he and his followers fight with such great valor that he starts to earn a claim among his people. But here's the thing. Mm. Because the natives lost land in this area, it leads to the the signing of the Treaty of Greenville in August 1795. Now, this was a big deal for Tecumseh because the other, quote-unquote, Indians or the the that belonged to the Indian Confederation, headed by a chief called Little Turtle, who was a Miami chief, under Little Turtle the natives ceded most of Ohio and large portions of the land that would become Indiana, Illinois, and Michigan. And that really pissed off Tecumseh. Oh my gosh, Jennifer, I have so much to say about this. Please. Okay, so a couple things are happening. There have been treaties after treaties after treaties of natives, chiefs, like giving away land or settling Mm -hmm. land with Mm -hmm. the Americans. And Mm -hmm. part of that was really because Thomas Jefferson had a, a really aggressive strategy to get the land away from the natives. He went to William... Henry Harrison, who was the governor of Indiana at the time. And he's like, this is what you do. You make trades with the natives and you keep trading them. Give them give them like wine, liquor, whatever, whatever else they want. They want some some fabric for their clothes. Do it. And what's going to happen is they're going to come to rely so much on these trades that eventually they're not going to have anything of value worth the trade but the land. And that was Mm. Thomas Jefferson's aggressive tactic to get the land in a peaceful way from the natives. So when this battle, the Battle of Maumee happened, and Tecumseh's um, allies signed away more land, Tecumseh literally lost his shit. He went to William Henry Harrison's house like the next day, and he was like, what the fuck? He He was like, he he literally... Swear to God, he like galloped in. Everyone was like, what is happening right now? Him. And at this time, he was developing quite the entourage. So he like had all these like friends. They were like young warriors about with him. And so he rides up to Henry, 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 William Henry Harrison. And he's like, hey, this is not cool. He's like, this land wasn't just little turtles. He's like, this land everyone owns everyone Mm -hmm. participates on living and and hunting on it's not little turtles to give to you Mm -hmm. no one tribe can be giving you land we all have to agree on it and then William Henry Harrison was like wait a second bro he's like you guys can't say this is all your land why would the great spirit give you different languages why do you speak in different tongues if you guys are all united oh he's got a good point though I mean Harrison was quick on his feet sounds like because I would have been like uh well okay you win (laughs) You know what I mean? Tecumseh was like, brother. And this is what he said. He was like, brother, if you keep this up, I'm going to have to fight you. And William Henry Harrison was like, all right. So then, like, Tecumseh took a couple hours, not kidding, and comes back. And he's like, listen, I don't agree with what you're doing. And it's not cool. And I'm going to do everything I can to not provoke a fight with you, but no more of my people's lands are going to you without a fight if I have anything to do with it. And that's wow. how he ends it. Yeah. I think it was the first time they spoke, but then they met in battle a couple times after that in, te- in 1810 and 1811. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Please continue. So it sounds to me that Tecumseh believed himself to be a native first and a Shawnee second. That's 100% right. Right. And that was a major theme in the rest of his life as well. Absolutely. Right. His allegiance was to all Native Americans. They are one people, not to his Shawnee tribe. 
Yes. And I'm so glad you brought this up because something life-changing is going to happen within their family and he's going to use that life-changing event to solidify that message. Okay, let's talk about that life-changing event because we have to introduce now his little brother. His fabulous little brother. His who fabulous is, uh, little brother. So he was born with the name Lalawithika. It's kind of a burn. His name, Lalawithika, means like one who makes noise. He's like a whiner. So they're like, okay. oh, Lalawithika. Lalawithika. He was actually born a triplet, but he was o- the only one of the three children to survive the birth. Mm, that's so sad. It is sad. He was also known as a lazy kid. Here's a fact. He lost his right eye in a hunting accident. He's, he shot his eye out? Did he really shoot his eye out? No, for sure he did. I'm not like kidding. Like Alfie in the Christmas story? Yes, but with You're a bone arrow, not with out. a red not with a red rider beady gun. Okay. Well, that sucks. And you forgot to mention he was born after his dad died. So really Tecumseh, oh, Tecumseh's older sister and and the older siblings helped raise him. Sure. His mom got the hell out of town when they were giving away land when natives were giving away land his mom was like oh i'm off to missouri because shit's going down here and i just want to live on land elsewhere so really he was like a scrawny kid he was a lazy kid he didn't have parenting you can't blame him where are the parents jennifer (laughs) where are the parents so lala withica tecumseh's little brother is lazy he shoots his eye out he doesn't really have any parents but um his older siblings are raising him it's pretty much it sounds really familiar by the way (laughs) but he grows up and as a young adult he's depressive and he relies heavily on alcohol that does sound familiar i mean no judgment here (laughs) you know those who live in glass houses and everything i'm just saying so he liked to drink from now on who doesn't i chill I chill and I drink. Right, exactly. Um, this is interesting. Apparently, he quote unquote tried his hand at being a medicine man, but the people that he treated would fall seriously ill. And so he became humiliated and even more depressed. How do you try your hand at medicine? Like, that is not. That's that's a calling. Isn't it a calling? Like, don't you need years of practice and mentorship to do something like just be a medicine man? I don't know. But what I am concerned about. It's kind of like me saying, I'm going to try my hand at brain surgery. I'm going to try my hand at being a pilot. Like, you just try your hand at something like that. Well, I think the bigger case for me in this situation is that people are like, ha ha, your patient died. Like, that's so rude. Like, yeah, but you're going to kick a man when he's down. At least he's trying. You know what I mean? He could just be drinking. But no, he's like, let me try medicine. Let me try to cure people. Oh, I killed you. Sorry. That's a burn. I hope it was like, I hope the people were already like on their way out. You know what I mean? Like, I hope they weren't like, oh, I have a leg cramp. And then he like bled them. And it was like, oh, I lost another one. Like, that would be really bad. I hope they were already like headed that way. His people do not think much of him. By the early 1800s, he was a notorious drunk. And amongst all the Shawnee living along the White River, he had a terrible reputation. Then something happened, Jill. Something life-changing. What happened, Jennifer? In 1805, Lala experienced a vision from the great spirit. Tell me everything. So what his friends said is that um, he got drunk in his wigwam, fell into the fire, and his friends thought he was dead. Wow. I know. That's just like another Saturday night on your lake. <laughs> Be like, dude, you died, bro. You died. Oh my god, dude. Don't do that. Don't do. You're bringing me down, man. Don't do that. You scared? Who's gonna take you to the ambulance? Who's gonna bring you in? Okay, but when he woke up, he declared that he had seen the Great Spirit, and the Great Spirit had given him instructions on how to ensure the survival of their tribe. 
first of all, if someone said that to me, I would be like, yeah, that checks out because your ass was dead. You straight <laughs> up were dead. He is like the Moses of the Shawnee people. He wakes up. He sa- he's seen the great spirit and the great spirit has given him four commandments. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one. The First Nations must reject the things that came with the white man, most notably alcohol and Christianity. That's commandment number one. Okay. I, I mean, mean, that's reasonable. That, yeah, that's, but how many times did you wake up after drinking and was like, oh, I ain't going to drink again. I am not going to drink again. <laughs> yeah, like every weekend. Okay. Number two, the First Nations women should not marry or breed with the white man. Now, that's just none of his business, to be honest. It really isn't. That's, yeah, true. I I see where he's coming from, but honestly, yeah, not your business. Number three, by abandoning traditional tribal rivalries and uniting, the First Nations can resist the white man's incursions into their lands. Okay. That's a great point. Great point. But your his brother Tecumseh has been saying this for years already. So actually, there's a little, you know what? There's a little disagreement about it. Oh, really? All right. Well, I mean, kind of common sense. Great point. It came from the great spirit. All right. Let's accept it. Yeah, but to, to be honest with you, to be honest, completely honest, back in those days, there were warring tribes, right? Like, think mm-hmm. of the Sioux. So that is kind of revolutionary to be like, we just got to not fight each other. We need to unite to fight our enemy. I don't think it's revolutionary. I think it's common sense. I think it's easy to say, hard to put into practice. I agree with that. That I agree with. Okay, and here comes number four. For me, this is a curveball. What do you mean? Number four, according to the great spirit, it's the sorcerers who are responsible for the illnesses killing the first people, and they need to coordinate witch hunts to seek them out and kill the sorcerers. So he's still salty about killing people when he was a medicine man is what I'm hearing. And now he's trying to save face. He's saying, (laughs) now that I have all your attention, it was not me. (laughs) Great spirit said it wasn't my fault. Great spirit said to go yourself. (laughs) So wait a minute. This, I have never heard this before. Is this a real thing? Witch hunts? It absolutely is a real thing. Get out of here. Get out of here. Who would be considered a quote unquote sorcerer in like 1806 uh, Ohio? Honestly, missionaries coming to preach Jesus Christ, making shut up water into wine or shut wine into blood. Up. Shut yes. up. So how would yes. how would you see this go down? How would I see this go down? Oh my! I what what I read was that um, like a a lone like a lonely native would walk up to like a missionary and be like, "Tell me, tell me. I hear that you guys have some good news for me." And then they would be like, sure, Jesus Christ. And here's the Eucharist. And then they would be like, sorcery. <laughs> and then they would be like, I, for, shut I, up. For real. Shut up. That That is one way. Wow. And then also another way is that if the same way in the witch trials, if they didn't like someone, they're like, this mofo was a witch, yo. And then they would be wow. like, go after him. So they wow. use it in a lot of different ways. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, but the reality is, is that after Lalawithika woke up, he changed his name to Tenzakawa. And so from after his great vision on, he was like, everyone, my name is Tenzakawa. I am a prophet. It means open doors. I am letting the information from the great spirit flow through me. Come follow me. Now, you know what? I don't. I am not privy to the ongoings of Native Americans, especially not in the 1800s. But however, as a white modern American, I can tell you if someone wakes up Uh and says, the great spirit has spoke to me, I am now a prophet, follow me Uh 100%, do not do it. That is a red flag, (laughs) 100%. I do not disagree with that. Good tip. I know. <laughs> that is my hot take. If Kevin from Pasadena wakes up saying that I am a prophet, I am Messiah, whatever the hell he wants to call himself. Do he's not like, follow, follow me. him. 
Do, do not. not find, don't give him do money. Not. Don't. Don't leave your family. <laughs> don't raise exotic pets. <laughs> do not follow his diet plan. Do okay. not alter, alter your body in any way. Okay. It's going to lead to trouble. I think that I think that's a really good PSA right there, Jill. Thank you. So people started calling him the prophet after that. I know he changed his name to Tenzakawa, but he became known as the prophet. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so Tecumseh and his brother, the prophet, they had two main concerns. One was preserving the identity and culture of their people, and two, keeping the lands west of the Ohio River in the hands of all Native tribes. Okay, so earlier we were addressing the fact that Tecumseh was saying this all along. Yes, that's what I said. That's what you said. So Tecumseh believed this all along, that that these are the lands and Mm -hmm. we need to unite as a people. But after... Tensakawa had his spiritual awakening, what have you, and people were really abuzz by Tensakawa. It was Tecumseh who used that message of the prophet to evangelicalize the different tribes in the area to bring about mm. a real political and spiritual movement. He kind of capitalized on Absolutely. this situation. All Tecumseh's life, he was charismatic. People were drawn to him just naturally. Mm-hmm. And so people were like already inspired by him by a fighter, by, by his fighting and him being a warrior. But it was right. it was like his brother put gasoline on it and it mm. just exploded. And so Tecumseh started giving powerful speeches and rallying peoples to his cause. And yes, he, he was, did. He was he was yes, actually he, he was successfully uniting many tribes together to resist the American way of life and American expansion west. The, they called the Great Lakes region of the United States at the time the Great Northwest mm-hmm. and all the tribes of the Great Northwest around the Great Lakes were a part of Tecumseh's um confederation. Good for him. Yeah, he really he did some work. So, but then Henry Harrison started talking smack about the prophet. William Henry Harrison was all like this motherfucker. He used to drink. <laughs> he was like, you gonna let this silly drunk tell you what? Yeah, he called him a fraud publicly. He must have been scared, right? I mean, of course. Not only is what this guy that gallops into his house being like, you're full of shit. Not only is his 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 vision graining momentum, but now he has his brother with the spiritual message that's uniting the... the right. The natives and Thomas Jefferson's aggressive mission to get the trading going so that the natives will give the land away without fighting. That's going to put a stop to it because all the Northwest, all the Great Lake regions are like, no, we're with Tecumseh and the prophet now. Eat it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. He adds religious fervor to this whole movement. So Mm -hmm. Henry Harrison is talking smack and trying to deter the prophet's notoriety, and then something incredible happens. In response, the prophet, Tensakawa, actually correctly predicts a solar eclipse. Like, shut up. That's impressive. That is impressive. I'm still working on names. <laughs> what? I'm still working on getting names from spirits. Oh, as the a psychic? That, yeah, as a psychic, the fact that he was like, oh... And, like, pulled out his his notebook and was like, I correctly predict. That's insane. Yeah. That's really impressive. That is really impressive. And that act cemented his followers' beliefs and attracted even more followers. I'm sure. So that's insane. Take it, William Henry Harrison. <laughs> so eventually, Tecumseh and the Prophet establish a headquarters for the United Indian Confederation, and it was located on the banks of the Tippecanoe River at a place that they called Prophetstown, named after, of course, the Prophet. Mm. You know, um, Tensakawa really came up. You know what I'm saying? Like he was a drunk. He really came up in the ranks. He was a drunk. He was a nobody. He was a whiny child. He was a failed medicine man. And now all of a sudden there's a town name after him. Right. And his brother's on board. Right. But hold on. Hold on. Hold on to that thought because there's a fall coming. Uh-oh. Oh, Jennifer. So 
everybody's at Prophetstown. It is the center of the Indian Confederation. And there is a problem, though. The problem is that they, there are the South's five civilized tribes. Those aren't my words. That's what they call them. Five civilized tribes who were friendly still to the Americans and would not join Tecumseh and Tecumseh's cause. Okay. So Tecumseh is going to travel. He's going to go down South and he's going to talk to the five tribes and try to win them over. But before he leaves, you know what? <laughs> before he leaves, he's still projecting. <laughs> he sits the prophet Tensakawa down and he says, look, I'm going to be out of town for a little while. Don't mm-hmm. do anything. I don't care who comes who comes over here. Don't fight anyone. Don't don't talk to anyone. Don't look at anyone. Just just you know, do your business, keep to yourself and everything will be fine. And then I'll come back and we'll resume. But don't fight anybody. Okay? It sounds like Tecumseh was a little controlling. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. It's like that's very specific Tecumseh. I'm just going to be my prophet in my prophet's town. Okay. You do so he you. left he left these instructions and he goes south to talk to to the tribes down south. By the way, that didn't turn out. Like they were like, no, yeah, were- Tecumseh, just go back north. Like we're yeah, fine. We're going to do us. You do you. He was like rejected, like right. legit rejected. But, but but there was like the young, there was like young warriors that followed him anyway. They're like, these people are old. They don't understand anything. I am going to follow Tecumseh because he's where it's at. So he did get some Creeks warriors okay. to follow him back. All right. So he's partially successful. Mm. But while he's gone. With the prophet in charge, William Henry Harrison shows up and he has, again, his militia and he is marching towards Prophetstown with the intent on attacking the village. But Mm. when he finds out that Tecumseh's out of town, there's actually a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. They agree to a ceasefire. Mm -hmm. Because what (laughs) happened was, this is what happened was... He came, Henry, William Henry Harrison came up because he heard Tecumseh was out of town, right? And so when Tensakawa saw him, like, coming, he sent a man up and he was like, look, dude's brother's out of town. Dude, it's like, his brother was like, don't touch anything. Don't look at anything. <laughs> so he can't, he can't mess with you right now. He can't mess so, with you right now. Yeah. So we're just going to have to, we're going to have to just lay low and no fighting until Tecumseh comes back. Right. But the prophet ignored his brother's direction. I and cannot imagine. <laughs> attacked Harrison's army despite the ceasefire that had been agreed upon. So he was all like, he stood, he like got up on this rock ledge and he Ooh. was like, the great spirit will protect us from the bullets. Let's attack. No, he really did. Don't laugh. Like, that shit happened. I know, it's so bad. He did so that. Bad. And I so believe you. At dawn, he led the warriors oh, to man. surround the Americans and attack. Shots were fired, alerting Harrison's sleeping force. And after two hours of combat, Harrison's 1,000 men were victorious. And the natives had to flee Prophetstown, <sighs> leaving it open for Harrison's force to ransack and burn it all down. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Harrison's campaign against the pro- against Prophetstown is referred to as the Battle of Tippecanoe. And then Tecumseh returns home three months later Still to find. <laughs> Everything has literally gone to shit. There is no more Prophetstown. It's just burning ruins. I am sweating. I am sweating gone. thinking about how friggin' scared Tenzakawa was. Gone <laughs> is his dream of the Native American Confederacy. So, yeah. There is an account. First of all, Okay, first thing first. There's an account that when Tecumseh finally caught up with Tensakawa, he pulled his hair and went like ape shit on him. 
like he was like what the fuck did i tell you no kidding like Like, yeah he did yeah he did yeah he did (laughs) that does not surprise me at all all i can think about is that if you like went on vacation with dennis (laughs) and like you came home and your house was gone and your puppies were like oh my god kidnapped oh my god there would be not a force on this earth that would propel me to talk to you or come out of the rock I'm hiding under. There's absolutely, there would be no way. No way. So that happened in 1811. In retaliation, Tecumseh's warriors struck back at Harrison. They attacked forts and white settlements, causing Americans to flee backwards towards the Ohio River. And then Tecumseh joins up with British forces in Canada because now it's like the the War of 1812, right? And the War of Mm. 1812 is between the British and the Americans and Tecumseh is siding with the British. Mm -hmm. Because the enemy of – your enemy is also my enemy. How does it go? What's that saying? The enemy of my enemy is also my friend. There you go. According to the Smithsonian, the final stand came near Moraviantown – on October 5th, 1813, the Indian and British forces set up two miles west of Moravian Town on the north side of the River Thames. It was an area full of swampy thickets. The American forces realized that the natives were entrenched in the thickets and Harrison decided to attack the British first. His thinking was if they attack the British first, they'll scare the natives and they'll flee. But that's not what happened. When the Americans attacked, it was the British who ended up retreating. And this left only Tecumseh's warriors undefended by themselves to face this American force. Intense fighting ensued. So apparently what was happening for like days, this new commander of the section of the British Army and... um was like assigned to a, to Tecumseh and his men, and he kept retreating and kept retreating like for days. And so at one point, Tecumseh's like, "Hey, bro, we're here to fight, not to run. So no Ooh. more. We're not doing this anymore. So we're staying. If they advance, we're gonna meet them. So you need to get a backbone." And the guy was like, "Okay, I think his name was Proctor. I'm not sure." He was like, "All right, all right. I hear you. I hear you. Right, right, right." And then that's when the American forces advanced. And once again, under William Henry Harrison. And, and Jill, what did, what did the British do? They booked and they left Tecumseh there. And Tecumseh's men like, looked at him and Tecumseh's men was, Tecumseh said, don't you move. He's like, we're fighting here. Oh. This, is, this is what we're doing. And that's where Tecumseh died. <laughs> at that, no, it's I true. Know. At that battle, he was shot and killed. It was just a funny transition. Sorry. No, no. And then Harrison became a national hero for his actions in battle. And later in his bid for the American presidency, Harrison would run with John Tyler and use the campaign slogan, Tippecanoe and Tyler too, referencing his days as a Indian fighter during the battle of Tippecanoe. So there you have it. Okay, so um, Tecumseh's legacy, I have to tell you, I have been listening to speeches of Tecumseh to t- that like he gave to the five civilized tribes of the South. They are so mm-hmm. – What do you think? Oh, my gosh. I am like literally fired up. Like I – want to join up I don't know where to sign up but I would like to I would like to be a part of this movement he was and what's <laughs> chilling about it is that he is a hundred percent right he warned them he's like mm. by no means are these people gonna stop here he's like this is he basically is like this is genocide and they're not gonna be satisfied until we're completely wiped out or significantly weakened not only our wow. bodies, our numbers, but also our spirits. So I was like, I was like listening to this. I was on like a long walk with Bug and I was like looking around. I was like, who's, who's going to come at me? I was like ready. I was sincerely ready. I was like, none of this belongs to us. Yeah. His, well, his death destroyed any hope of achieving a native mm-hmm. alliance. There were fighters after him. There were warriors after him that tried to take up the mantle, but no one had the, the charisma no or the the valor courage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or the respect or the respect that's a great point see 
See what happens when we engage? <laughs> yes, and without his leadership, most remaining Native Americans ceded their land and were ultimately moved to reservations. Oh, gosh. And we know how that story ends. General Isaac Brock was a commanding officer that worked with Tecumseh before Proctor came about in mm-hmm. Canada. And he said that a more sagacious or gallant warrior does not, I believe, exist. Wow. So here's my question, though. Why are we talking about Tecumseh? Certainly someone like Tecumseh doesn't need a voice. No, he doesn't need a he voice. He was famous legendary even mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in his time in ours why are we talking about Tecumseh you're not gonna like it well tell me I think he's warning us what do you mean he's warning us what is he warning us <sighs> I think he's warning us because his whole deal was we are stronger and undefeatable united don't let people or don't let politics or whatever selfish or Tribalism. Trivial cause, right. Whatever trivial cause divide us. We need to be united. And he's looking back on, he's looking down at us being like, hey, y'all, y'all are divided. He's like, I see what's Mm. happening more now than ever. If you did like, I think Gallup did a poll about what Americans think about whether or not there's going to be another civil war in their lifetime. And like 65% of Americans were like, I can see it. That's unfathomable unfathomable fathomable Mm. fathomable how do you say it well Tecumseh's whole thing was he was a native first and a Shawnee second and how much of us are Americans first and then whatever political you know slant we are second I mean even think of it we're uh, Polish Americans we're African Americans we're you know what I mean? Like, no, we're Americans. We're Americans. Right. We're Republicans. We're Democrats. We're leftists. We're rightists. I think America. We're Am- tribes. Yeah. yeah. We're tribes. We really are. I mean, if you look at literally, if you look at the definition of tribalism, according to beinghumanproject.com, they say at our core, humans are tribal. Constantly, our subconscious is bombarded with cues that identify who is us and who is them, and the perceived similarities of status and values make it more likely that we will connect and form lasting bonds with people who are like us, and this tendency has tremendous survival value. So it's not all bad to be tribalistic on some level. It's unconscious bias that is constantly Mm -hmm. at play, whether or not we realize it. We're not saying it's bad, like you said. Right. Right. It, it, it's necessary for survival on a, on a certain level. However, and here is the big but, and here is the danger that I think maybe Tecumseh might be pointing us Tell to. Tell me about your big but, Jennifer. <laughs> well, here it comes. When we surround ourselves with only people who agree with us or only people who are like us or who fit in an, a narrative that we find agreeable, that's when our beliefs become even more and more extreme. And then we start to delegitimize anyone who tends to disagree with us because it starts to feel uncomfortable or challenging. Does that make sense? Yeah, because... If you have a strong belief that has been strengthened by a community of others that believe the same thing, then if someone comes along differently, it, it, it makes you think, wait a second, am I, am I wrong? No, I can't be wrong. You don't, I mean, who likes that feeling? Like, no, no, it ain't me. No, it ain't me. It's not us. It's you. So it's them and others. Right. And then again, beinghumanproject.org also says groupthink isn't always bad. It can be very powerful when you are rallying for action against a single idea or around a single idea. Like Tecumseh did. (laughs) Right. But it's absolutely terrible when you are faced with a problem that requires novel solutions. And then people become unable to solve complicated problems. Yeah, because no one wants to budge. No one wants to compromise. And so here we are in America, surrounded by complicated problems, and everyone forming their own little tribes. So Tecumseh, 
is saying, y'all fucked. <laughs> no, there's hope. Okay, it doesn't seem See, like it. Hope. We have to end with hope. Okay, <laughs> where's the hope? Where? Tell me about the hope. <laughs> Tecumseh never gave up. That didn't end well, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this outline? <laughs> he's telling us to hold the line, and he's reminding us that we need to think of ourselves as Americans, or I would even say as humans. Can I tell you something? What? I really honestly believe Tecumseh is saying that in his day, the indigenous people of this continent were the original Americans, and they have been significantly weakened in their, in their culture, in their numbers, in their spirit. And now he's saying that you white folks, you modern Americans are holding that mantle and you are resorting back to tribalism that you wiped mm. out. Right. Get it together. Get it together. Learn from the lessons of your past. We should mm. know this. We should know this. We should know this. Wow. Not to mention dividing and conquering as a tr- like a strategic tactic it has been done since Roman times. Right. So just because we're now we're doing it on the internet, really, right? right? Just because we're sitting behind a computer and we can we can disagree with someone and be completely vile. The same way you yeah. can like flick someone off in the car because you're not really engaging with them. There's that space. We right. are using that space and it's perpetuating our differences over and over and over again until we're right. fractured as a people. We need to come together in a big way, and that's the the bottom line. Right now over me. So thank you, Tecumseh, for coming through. What would you like to say to Tecumseh? I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> thank you, Tecumseh. You, honestly, you guys, if you have the opportunity to research and read any of his speeches, it is chilling because it is so accurate, his predictions of what the world would look like if they – did not unite. And it is upsetting to me, Jen, we wouldn't be here. We would not be here if Tecumseh's vision came into fruition. And yet I'm still so inspired by his voice and his vision. And I really wish there could have been a pan Native American nation. I really, really do. I think we would be better as a people on this continent and in this world. I really believe it. Why are you laughing at me? Stop laughing at me rude it's cute when you're all fired up (laughs) jill tell the people where they can find us i don't know (laughs) check out our website commonmystics.net find us wherever you're listening to your favorite podcast but if you happen to be on apple leave us a positive review so other people can find us thank you so much for listening thank you good night good night